Welcome to KC Corner episode 49. Brooks, I think we've been hovering in the late 40s for I, a I long feel like time. Too. Well, we, we skipped a week. I, fe- I thought today was for sure 50. I thought, come on. You know, uh, I guess we'll half a century next week. Next week. All right. <laughs> a few more weeks for our year anniversary. Oh, man, that'll be great. <laughs> been on it for a year. Well, you know what? If you throw in the other weeks, it's a little bit beyond that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is probably about where we started last year. I think we took two weeks off, maybe three. Man, that's incredible. We're, we're hard workers. We're hard workers. And for those of you who listen and i know there's several uh just again uh you heard from my sister she's up to date up in new jersey you know and then folks that are away keeping up with us thank you so much grace hooper shout out grace hooper you guys are awesome <laughs> number one fan <laughs> so true so last week you talked about money uh, money 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 <laughs> you know as we talk about the wisdom for the journey brooks um and we start with hey the fear of the lord is the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom um, and just kind of looking at what is that fear of the Lord? If you want to look at where your heart is, look at where your wallet is. And by the way, for me, it's a very hard thing to find my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> leave it in the car, exactly. leave it at hockey practice. <laughs> but, but, but millennials do use a wallet. Is that correct? Oh yeah. I still have wallets. So you have it has to cards on it, not cash. But. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is cash? <laughs> do you have a checkbook? Uh, no, 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 no. I have no idea how to write a check. Oh, that is amazing how that has changed. So, uh, yes, I, I, I do have a propensity to leave my wallet in the hockey bag or wherever. And uh, uh, anyway, so, but if you want to really see the condition of your heart, uh, it will be oftentimes is so wrapped up in the condition of our money. You know, where is that? And how do we bring in, like, the, the fear of the Lord uh, into... Uh, our money. And again, I, I talked about some things. Uh, the Proverbs is so good. And we looked at some things last Sunday. And I just wanted, one of the things I emphasized was the priority. I talked about the priority, the, the generosity, the integrity, the, the budget. But when it comes to priority and our money, it's interesting how people think. It's like, it's mine, you know, and if it's mine, I could do what I want. I could, my money can, um, can serve me. But really, uh, we realize that in uh, uh, without Christ, we are often serving our money. We're serving our wealth, and all of that needs to be under the lordship of Christ. And uh, a priority in our life has to be because of the fear of God, because of what He's done for us, the kingdom of God. And we have to seek Him first, even in our money. And so, things like our ties, our offerings, who we support, what we support, what we give—it's huge. And uh, you know, God's grace is there every step of the way, but at the same time, hey, have we prioritized? That's what I try to say. And, and uh, with that, look at our generosity and, mm-hmm. and who who are we giving to and why? And I, I love how the Proverbs say, give to those who it's due. And who's who's it due? And it's, it's image bearers, right? And um, when it's in your power to do so. And, um, you know, are we giving just a token? Do we give just to get a tax return or a tax write-off. And, uh, you know, are we have do we have integrity the way we manage and handle our money and, and how are we doing with that? So, you know, I think it's very, it was very practical in the Proverbs with this kind of stuff, but uh, I think there's such a wonderful barometer, litmus test, so to speak, of where our heart is when it comes to where, where does our money go. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier now to kind of check your bank account and like we were saying earlier i don't really carry cash all my money is digitized so it's all those robin hood accounts or your bank account they're so easy to just scroll through each day like you see the little line ticking up ticking down just sure they almost treat it like a social media kind of where you keep checking it 
day in and day out, and um, it kind of gets addicting in that way. So. I, I bet, you know, and, and what about even Bitcoin? Do you have exactly, Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what going up and down 10% every second, so <laughs> what is, what it's real addicting. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm at the age where I'm still not even sure what that is. No, I don't think really anyone does, so yeah, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so maybe Scripture's going to have to, you know, the new modern versions, you can't serve God in Bitcoin. You know? mm-hmm, yeah, yeah so. we'll put a little parenthesis in there, but looking at Bitcoin. That, that's incredible. <laughs> But, you know, but it, it is true. You know, I know that the way we look at money, I know you mentioned Robin Hood. That's kind of like a stock thing. Is that correct? Yeah, That's but they've this. made it where you can have like your regular get direct deposit for your job, checking account and everything on there. So wow. all those platforms are kind of trying people to keep going back and checking their bank account, buying stocks, stocks, doing whatever they want on there. You know, even even you make a good point, Brooks, that. You know, with money, it's it's such a attention grabber. You mm-hmm. know, how am I doing? I know for me it is as well. Like, how's the market doing? I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like immediately I want to wake up and see, are we going to be up or down today? Mm-hmm. And, and then look at the retirement account saying, okay, how, how am I doing? And, you know, why? <laughs> first of all, am I seeking first the kingdom of God as far as my heart and my mind and my thoughts? And I think what's behind that for me is security. It's, mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, you know, am I going to be okay? And um, there's a sense where, you know, I, I, I don't know, but what was it like when you just didn't have those kind of things? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, you know, uh, a, a, a shepherd somewhere, uh, you're not probably thinking of retirement. You're not probably counting your sheep thinking, mm-hmm. well, one day I'm going <laughs> to be sitting back. And uh, um, so it really kind of, it changes your focus. And I guess what uh trying to say is that, um, I think that even if you have a little bit of a lot or whatever account it's in, how much time do we spend on it? How much time do we look at it? You know, and what's why and how does that compare to what we're doing with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, interesting. So what do we have to what topic are we tackling this week? Wisdom for the journey. We're going to talk about marriage. Uh, and I know uh, that's not applicable for everybody, uh, <laughs> like like my partner over there, Brixie boy. But it is applicable because it, it, in a sense that it shows uh God's heart. I mean, when you talk about marriage in the Bible, and again, I love the fact that the Bible begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding feast. And when mm-hmm. he wants to tell us how much he loves us, he uses the language of marriage, where his bride, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's un- incredible. As a matter of fact, when he talks about our sin, he often refers to it as adultery. Like, you know, it's incredible marriage language. And so marriage in the Bible is so important for all to understand those who are married, obviously, and those who aren't, um, who are loved, because that's the language of God. And it, it's going to talk, we're going to mostly be in Proverbs 5. And I love it. It's very practical. And let me just say what I hope to say shows why faithfulness in marriage is important and how it connects to God. And, you know, you think of the society we live in and the access we have on the internet. And, and you know, this it's it's <laughs> these times are so different, Brooks, than the times I grew up. I mean, in so many ways, technology has so changed. Um, temptation is so different. Um, marriage is so different. We had a we had a conversation at the table, um, at the dining room table, which is my favorite time of the day. I just love that. It's the best conversation. We're face to face, but we just talked about marriage, and we talked about um, actually we talked about um, homosexuality and, and marriage, and and where we are as a society. And uh, and Katie and I were talking about that. Just it just wasn't something we talked about in my. my my lifetime mm-hmm. growing up and it wasn't it wasn't a conversation it wasn't i mean i think if you took the uh 
you know, 17-year-old Jeff and to put him at that table and listen to the conversation, I'd say, that's crazy. <laughs> what world am I in? Exactly. How did you get here? And so in my lifetime, marriage, sexuality um, has been so changed. I mean, it's been something that's, um, uh, I, I probably, <laughs> this, is, this is, I'm probably on a limb saying this, but something that literally came out of the closet that that, that is now kind of a, an agenda pushing uh, really like, if you don't embrace this, you know, you're a bigot. Um, mm-hmm. And the mindset of, of marriage and sexuality, uh, even gender, has so radically changed. So really what I hope to say is, you know, what does God say about it? And we won't be able to comp- say everything. And, um, you know, I'll, my focus will be marriage and, and purity, but um, out of Proverbs 5. But it's, it's a little scary to me, Brooks. Okay, it's a lot scary, is... <laughs> Our society is so heading in a different direction from b- biblical principles. And, you know, I, I was talking to David Outing yesterday, um, and we were talking about the church and some of the things that uh, is happening in the church. And, you know, for a long time, I've seen in my ministry career that the church has oftentimes wanted to align itself with culture. We want to be we want to be culturally relevant. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be that cool church. You want to, you want people to, to kind of, to get that coolness and oh, the, you know, they're, they, they get it. But I feel like that to be culturally relevant is more and more um, that you have to compromise. I mean, mm-hmm. more and more of what do you have to give up? And I don't know, I'm certainly not no profit, but I look down the future and I wonder, are we going to have to, and I think we are just, anchor in to God's word and anchor into his truth and and let the society get a little bit further away from us. I mean, still love our neighbor, obviously, and, and try to reach out. But, the, you know, the distance between um, biblical truth and, and what the mindset is of culture is just getting further and further. And we even hear it. We hear a lot of Christians, a lot of pastors, or a lot of people who say that they're theologians or have something to do with authority that have already aligned themselves up with much of the thought of culture. So what does God's word say? How do we stay true? Um, you know, and how do we, I, you know, how do we become culture makers? I know that there's been some books written about that. I went to a conference that Tim Keller did one time in New York City about really culture making instead of, you know, just embracing culture. How do we, without creating a Christian subculture, you mm-hmm. know, that's in, it's kind of interesting. It's like Christian radio. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like a subculture of Christianity compared to uh, other stuff. How do the Christians influence all of the radio stations, you know? And uh, um, so how do we do that with marriage? And that's what I hope to say. So how do you start that conversation at the dinner table? Just mid-bite, you go, we're talking about marriage tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's still <laughs> chewing their food. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we started just kind of uh, knowing people in our life uh, who have different lifestyles. Um, you know, just knowing people that, that uh, uh, are in different relationships that, you know, that we didn't grow up with. It's just, it's so out there now. Mm-hmm. And so that's really honestly how it came up is just like... Uh, uh, and it was it wasn't an at all judgmental. It was just kind of like, oh, by the way, you know, you know, spending time with so and so, and 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 uh, um, and you realize, wow, you know, that's so different than mm-hmm. it was for us. Gotcha. Yeah. So now going into we finally getting back to our homework, transforming yeah. grace, chapter five. We took a few weeks off, but that's I all know. right. <laughs> Listen, and, and people out there, get this book. It's such a great book. 
Um, by the way, we get no kickbacks <laughs> for the two of you that <laughs> free, might buy Completely it. free ads. So. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but we looked at chapter five, I believe, and yep. does God have a right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I want to I start off by saying that, you know, one of the first notes I took reading this chapter is grace is so counterintuitive. And he's going to, this chapter is going to kind of um, piggyback off of last chapter of the story of the generous landowner who gave those workers for only an hour the same amount. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this chapter even he starts off with, uh, he makes it a kind of a modern day uh, scenario with college students mm-hmm. and those who are party kids, I guess he calls them. And those who worked hard, they all get A's and yep. as it have there. But, you know, and by the way, I would have been the kid who never deserved the A and I would have always been the side of, yes, I got an A. And I know you would have worked hard and been Oh, yeah, off. definitely, definitely. Well, you were just both of them. You didn't party and you didn't get good grades. <laughs> so what happened to me? <laughs> Studies just hard and... me a moron here. Is that it, Brooks? So, all right. Well, <laughs> let's keep going. I think where I started to go is grace is counterintuitive. Grace is so counterintuitive of of so many things of of an American dream. It has to continually be rehearsed. It has to continually be practiced. And I'm a lot older than you are, Brooks, and I've been doing this Christianity thing for a long time. And, you know, it's almost like, uh, what lens am I seeing the world through? Is it, does it have a works righteousness mindset? That's so natural. I work hard. I deserve, I Mm -hmm. should get, you know, God owes. I mean, I've had that in my own life. And so many of these examples, it's like, yeah, that's me. And we'll talk about a couple of them. But um, it's almost like, you know, you, you'll, you, let's, let's pick basketball. Oh, my goodness. It's not. Anyway, you know, <laughs> dribbling with your left hand, it, it just feels, or your unnatural hand, yeah. if you're right-handed, it's your left For hand. For all the right. lefty weirdos. Exactly. <laughs> Please, we love you. Um, but, you know, it just takes practice. I mean, until it becomes second nature. And, mm-hmm. and uh I feel that way about grace. It's so counterintuitive. It's so beautiful. It's so gracious. It's so uh, amazing, but counterintuitive that mm-hmm. it seems like Christians and in, in all the world, but especially Christians have a tendency to, to c- continue to slide into this works mentality that we just have to get away from. Yep, exactly. So, I know uh, one of the quotes I liked or maybe, maybe don't like is, if we were to somehow live perfectly, we could still only say, I have merely done my duty. So yeah. it requires perfect obedience. And if we were to somehow, God willing, complete that, which no one can, we just did our job. We did our duty. You know, <laughs> and, and I think, I think you know, it goes down to what does God owe us? You know, God, God uh, we owe God full obedience because he's God mm-hmm. and he doesn't owe us anything. And mm-hmm. as you said, hey, if we do our duty... You know, we did our duty. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's what what we should do. Is He's a holy God of the universe, and what does God owe us? And uh, you know, I I remember He uses an, an analogy uh, in the book that really hit home with me. Um, that someone who had a a mom who was very devoted 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 to the Lord. It. Exactly, uh, it's early, and uh, um, and she got cancer and had a very difficult passing. And he was so upset, like, hey, you know, he, God served you. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm sorry, God served you. Mom served you so much, <laughs> the Lord. And so don't you owe her more. And I've seen that in my own life. I mean, I saw it when my mom had some struggles, some life struggles. She was the woman who 
modeled for me a love affair with Jesus unlike any other. I mean, and I really felt like she told so many people, she led so many people to the Lord. She had such this beautiful life that when things struggled in her life, I was, as a young kid, I was really put back. I mean, it was really hard. I had to step back and question God because I felt like, kind of like, God, if you treat your best friends this way, um, if this is somebody who's all in, what's what's up? And mm-hmm. so I, it was a poor understanding of owing and, and being entitled. I think he also deals with entitlement, uh, which is really good that we don't, we're not entitled to anything that mm-hmm. God uh, it should give us. I mean... He graciously gives us that. We owe him obedience, but we're not entitled. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's so so important. And um, he, I, lo- I love the fact too. He talks about you know we don't really give God anything. He owns it all. And so if we can't give him anything, we have nothing to barter with. Mm-hmm. You know that we have nothing to point to that that it's uh, hey uh, you owe us or we deserve this or whatever. And that all of God's promises are based on grace and are fulfilled through Christ. And so I, I think there's a there's a wonderful good side of this, Brooks, is that, you know, just like we can't owe him, uh, we, 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 uh, we can't get him indebted to us, he can't ever be indebted to us, or we can't ever be entitled. The other side of that is because of God's grace and mercy and the work of Christ, we can't lose it, mm-hmm. you know? And once, once we're... Once we're his, um, that's that's a great thing. So now looking at any King's Chapel news, I know that the twenty somethings are starting their KC group tonight. They're they're, they're so 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 far ahead. And, uh, hey, just ready to get going. Um, even I, I got one more thing. Even yeah. before I'm going to go back just a minute. I, I had a uh, I had a really cool experience last night. I want to share, and it kind of ties into this. Is that uh, um, as you know, I've been playing hockey, mm-hmm. and I got a game tonight today, and so do the Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> and it's a weird thing to realize that we're both going to be playing with the same amount of fans. <laughs> Nobody, you know. Actually, I hope my my family might come. But um, after after a little workout yesterday, I went and I had a, uh, I had dinner with a one of my teammates who is a retired New York City cop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I met him on the hockey rink. He didn't know what I did. And so it took a little bit of time till us to him to realize. Uh, I told him, hey, by the way, you know what I do? I'm a pastor. He's like, no way. No cuss word way. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, so he's a little bit older than I am. But he went through 9-11. Um, mm-hmm. is a cop in New York. And he told me last night at dinner, he's like, you know, I got to tell you the truth. I have a real hard time with God uh, after 9-11. Um, how... How does God allow that kind of evil in? And, uh, you know, it it was interesting, Brooks. It was like, again, what does God owe us? Mm -hmm. Does he owe us a a good life? I mean, what you know, we're living a broken world. You know, what are we entitled to? Mm -hmm. And every religion is going to have to figure out what evil is and how does that come into the picture? And I was able to talk about some of the things I know he loves. Like he's recently been up to the Ocala National Forest with his wife and they went hiking. I'm like, man, how was that day? I mean, how beautiful was it? And did you see the beauty of God's creation? And, you know, tell me about the joy of kayaking you love and tell me about those things as well. Why does God give us those? You know, why do we think we deserve any of those? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, But also to deal with the fact that, you know, our God doesn't just stand away and far away from brokenness and evil. He entered in and he wound up becoming broken to make sure the darkness doesn't win. So it's just a, just a wonderful opportunity that to share a bit of about, 
you know, the gospel. And, and I, I want to do it in a winsome way. I don't want to just, okay, my goal, my goal isn't that I just beat him over the head with it. My goal is to be his friend and to be kind and uh, to be caring and, um, but to be Christ-like in mm-hmm. my own way. So, so somehow I think that story just goes in again with how we do it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I dangled that out there. You want to comment on that story? At <laughs> no, all? I think that's a, a comment that a lot of non-Christians go to first is how, how does God allow, you know, this suffering to happen, whether it be 9-11 or their parents die or any, any sort of suffering that's in their life. You know, their first question is, how does, how does a good he guy do happen? it? You know, if he's, if he's good enough, how does he let it happen? If he's powerful enough, he could stop it. Mm-hmm. But remember the, the Bible story, it tells us how evil came in through our sin and through our, how brokenness came in. Um, and I love the fact that, that I think with a biblical worldview, it tells us, yeah, this world is incredibly broken and difficult things are going to happen. They have. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've, again, I'll go back to your 14, 15 year old back surgery. I mean, you know, you've had it personally in your life and, you know, we see it around us right now, but we know that just celebrating Advent, that the darkness doesn't win. We know mm-hmm. that, that the light of the world has come and we know that he is making all things new and we know that the story is not over yet, but we know that who wins. So that's our hope. All right. KC, uh, all things King's Chapel Yahoo. We had our first congregational meeting. It was phenomenal. Fantastic. We're going to be posting here shortly. Um, you could watch the video for those of you who missed it. I know you've been waiting. We've gotten so many requests for that. <laughs> um, we are launching our KC groups. I know the 20-somethings are rocking tonight, which mm-hmm. again, you guys are setting the pace, which is great. Um, the rest of them will probably start in the next week or two. So once again, you guys are way ahead of the curve. Always, and, uh, always. We got a big work day this upcoming Sunday. Uh, we're excited about. Uh, we're gonna try to start cleaning up the uh, the playground, uh, getting that all ready to go um, uh, this Sunday. And uh, um, so that's that's coming up on the seventeenth. What else am I missing? And then we're, we have a, oh, our next, what we call KC Family Connection, our next membership class is going to be Friday. I believe it's the 22nd. And uh, uh, that's going to have dinner at our house and can't wait for that. And then a luncheon after church um, on the 24th. So a lot of things happening. A lot of big good month, things. Big year, big 2021. Month, 20, we're going to flourish, not flounder. So look <laughs> forward to it. Well, that's all we got this week. See you guys Sunday. All right. Blessings, y'all.